This audio presentation is brought to you by the Baptist Missionary Association Theological Seminary. The BMA Seminary provides accredited theological education for equipping God's people for Christ-centered service and leadership roles with three online degrees available now. We are committed to the inerrancy and authority of Holy Scripture and to making disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information about the BMA Seminary and its online degree programs, go to bmats.edu or call toll-free 800-259-5673. That's 800-259-5673. Thank you, Dr. Helwig. Ms. Laura, if you have your Bibles, please open them to the book of Psalms, Psalm 8. Psalm 8. We had the opportunity to To go through that just a moment ago in our responsive reading, I'd like to look at it again. Hopefully you've noticed that several of the uh, lyrics to the songs go along with various elements of this psalm. It begins by saying just in the the subtitle that it's for the choir director and uh, on the uh, uh, getit, uh, a a Davidic psalm, and there's different uh, ideas about what that word is, getit, is that uh, a place having to do with Gath. David lived at Gath for a while, so maybe it's a reference to him there. Maybe it's a, a musical instrument that is familiar to that area. Uh, perhaps it has to deal with um, a harvest, a grape harvest festival, so different things. Uh, there are 33 hymns in the Psalms. This is one of those, and it may be an evening psalm because of the reference to the moon and stars. So let's take a look at this again. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. Because of your adversaries, you have established a stronghold from the mouths of children and nursing infants to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, The moon and the stars which you set in place. What is man that you remember him? The son of man that you look after him. You made him little less than God. And crowned him with glory and honor. You made him Lord over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All the sheep and oxen. As well as animals in the wild. Birds of the sky. And fish of the sea passing through the currents of the sea, the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. I do pray that the Lord would help us to see the things he wants us to see here from this passage. Some versions uh, translate this rightly so, beginning with verse 1, as Yahweh, our Lord. Uh, I read from the Holman Christian uh, version. I have another Holman Christian at home. That one actually says Yahweh. This one says Lord, our Lord. But it is true to call more specifically to recognize this as Yahweh, our Lord, or our Master. That's the Hebrew word Adonai. Yahweh, our Master. How magnificent. There's an emphasis in the Hebrew on how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. So the psalmist thinks about Yahweh, our Lord, our master. 
how magnificent, how excellent, how majestic is your name. We know that a name is, is what some would call a brand. Uh, all of us have a name, and, and we mentioned, you know, Chris or or, or, or Nathan or, or Masood or Philip. We mentioned those, and those are the names that we're branded with. But to just say Philip doesn't tell you all about me, does it? It doesn't describe the character that I have. Here, it's definitely God, his name, Yahweh, our Lord. But how majestic is his name? It's not just the name Yahweh, but it's, it's appropriate to look at everything that he is. He is omnipotent. He is powerful. He is merciful. You see those elements in this psalm. He knows us. He's omniscient. And you see those things. And for the psalmist, when he thinks about Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is his name, is, is all about him in the earth or throughout the earth. I mean, everywhere you would go, you know, in Texas or in, in Mississippi or in Canada or in Asia or in the Middle East, wherever you are throughout the earth, how majestic. Like a king full of splendor is the name and the character of Yahweh. He says that not only is it throughout the earth, but you have set above or over or covered the heavens with that same majesty. This is like everywhere that we could think of as humans throughout the earth above the heavens, everywhere we could think of, he is majestic. In verse 2, because of your adversaries, you have established a stronghold or you have established strength. Some versions, in fact, the New Testament will actually reference this as you have established or prepared praise. It's very unique uh, to look at this. But in this passage, it, it makes some sense that because of your adversaries, you have established a stronghold from the mouths of children and nursing infants to silence the enemy and the avenger. There's just so much that I want to say about this. I saw something recently where some terrorists had, were, were boasting. I saw a picture of it. I didn't watch the video, but a picture of some children the youngest was 10, and so probably 10, 11, 12 years old, of some children who had guns and took the lives of some people in terrorism. And the boast was that even our children are willing to commit these acts, so you better look out. Uh, that's sad. I mean, beyond sad. But this scripture tells us that our God is able to silence with even a baby who is still feeding from his mother. God can do that. The emphasis here is not, or the intent, is not to say that God is weak and God needs someone to defend him or that God hides behind children. The intent is to demonstrate and to testify that God is so powerful that he can use the weakest to defeat the strong. Amen. And he can do that. 
And he did that. In the book of Matthew, the 21st chapter, Jesus, it's recorded, has made the triumphal entry into Jerusalem just days before his crucifixion. And he's made that triumphal entry and people have thrown palm branches down and cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Jesus goes on in chapter 21 to the temple where he cleanses it. He, he says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And he runs out those who are, are in the temple, the money changers and so forth. And in verse 14 of chapter 21, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple complex and he healed them. When the chief priest and scribes, would you say these are enemies of Christ? They absolutely are. For a long time, they've been seeking to take his life. And now they're about to have their way. It's coming soon. But at this moment, when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonders that he did and the children in the temple complex cheering, Hosanna to the son of David, the chief priests were indignant. Those who sought to kill the Lord, to take him out, were mad. They were indignant. And they come to Jesus and say, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus says, yes. Jesus told them, have you never read? You have prepared praise from the mouths of children and nursing infants. And we have them saying nothing else. Jesus quotes Psalm 8. As though Psalm 8 is not just about the Lord defending himself back in Old Testament days, but right here in Jesus' day. This is a messianic psalm. And Jesus points that out. That from the mouths of babes comes the praise that was prepared and ordained. A stronghold of praise. Shifting gears into verse 3. The psalmist says, when I observe or when I give special attention to your heavens, the work of your fingers. We know that God doesn't have fingers. This is a way to illustrate it's an anthropomorphism to help us just understand. But that when the psalmist observes the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place. I had the opportunity, I guess there's numerous illustrations that that we could have but to me thinking about moon and stars a couple of years ago I went with our church youth group on a on a camping outdoors uh, event and we went to Colorado and we're up in the you know about a mile high uh, above about a mile higher than we are here and we were camping out and there there wasn't much light as far as like a, a light uh, you know, pole and that kind of thing. There was one across the river, I think. So I was able to step out really late one night. And I stepped out and, you know, I look out, I like to look at the stars and things. I'm fine with doing that. But that particular night, being about a mile closer to the stars, man, there's a lot more stars out there (laughs) when you're standing on a dark mountain in Colorado than you are when you're standing here. I mean, I have never seen the Milky Way so distinctly. I mean, I can look up and occasionally, you know, you can see, you think, okay, there's the Milky Way right there. But I'm telling you, when you're there in Colorado, there's no question about it. And what the psalmist is saying, 
is that when I consider the moon and the stars and the things that you put in place, then one scholar put it this way, that the next verse, this response, that what is man that you remember him is expressed with rapture. With exultation, when I think about and I look at and I consider God's creation, then with rapture, I have to express, what is man that you even remember us? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, do you look at creation and does it move you that way? I regret to say that most of the time for me, it does not. I'm so self-centered. I'm so, you know, thinking about myself and what I want. But boy, the psalmist nails it. And says, not only, you know, what is man that you're mindful of him, but much more that you even care for him. When we look at creation, the Bible talks, as Dr. Helwig read a moment ago from Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. If we looked at the book of Romans, we would see that there is an expected response to creation. Romans chapter 1 says that even the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen through what has been made. That through creation, God declares His glory and people can look at creation. Somehow God does this and they see the attributes of God. They understand that there must be someone out there who's powerful enough to create all this. There must be someone who knows a whole lot to be able to put all this together. And the fact that we're not just flying off the earth right now into outer space. There must be a God who cares for us. And the psalmist sees those things that it moves him. And the writer to Romans, Paul, says, listen, when you see enough from creation, it makes you without excuse regarding God's wrath. How much better It would be if God would grant us the the insight the psalmist has to see the things that God has created and to humble ourselves, for Him to humble us, to recognize that all there is that God has, there's really not much of a reason for Him to think about me. Much less to care about me. And yet He does. Does that not demand that we exclaim Lord our Lord how majestic is your name above all the earth he goes on to say not only does God care and remember us but verse 5 you made him little less than God I know there's different translations there you made him a little lower than the angels here, this one, you made him a little less than God. Some say a little lower than heavenly beings. The word is a word that's translated for God. That is an accurate translation. I like that. You crowned him with glory and honor. This is a truth that we need to believe And live as though it influences our lives. God created every person. And he's given dignity to every person. Does that make sense? Regardless of a person's gender or ethnicity 
where he lives, where she lives. God has given us all a measure of glory and honor. He's crowned us with some dignity and allowed us to rule. This version says to lord over the works of your hands. But what the psalmist is saying, God, you've allowed us to rule. You've allowed us to have dominion over the works of your hands. What kind of works? Well, like the sheep and the oxen and the animals that are in the wild and the birds of the sky and fish that pass through the sea. He's given us the the authority over those things. And he's he's put everything under man's feet. Now that should be encouraging to me if I was uh, a real positive thinker I'd, I'd tell you hey this this means we can handle everything that comes to us and, and 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 maybe so but the Bible is more clear as to what this talks about in the book of Hebrews we read this a moment ago but in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 the writer is speaking there about angels and how Christ is superior to angels. And he says, you know, God never said to an angel, I'm going to put uh, you at my right hand or I'm going to make your enemies your footstool. He never told angels that. So who did he tell that to? Well, it's going to be Jesus. In verse 5, he says, he has not subjected to angels the world to come that we're talking about. But as one has somewhere testified, what is man? That you remember him. Or the son of man. That you care for him. You see him quoting Psalm 8. You made him lower. Than the angels. For a short time. You crowned him with glory. And honor. And subjected everything. Under his feet. Again Psalm 8 is messianic. It's not just a be positive. You can do it. God's on your side. It's not one of those messages. This is talking about Jesus. For in everything, in subjecting everything, verse six, uh, verse eight. For in subjecting everything to him, he left nothing not subject to him. But as it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to him. I mean, we can see that by looking at our world. There's much sin and depravity and and blasphemy throughout the world. So if everything is subject to him. Well, well, then why is that happening? Because not yet do we see everything subjected to him. But we do see this. We see Jesus made lower than the angels for just a short time. So that by God's grace, he might taste death for everyone. Crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. You see that? Jesus, this psalm is about Jesus and about him being made a little lower than the the angels and him coming to be and live with us and so that he could die for us. And God exalts him. We know that other, uh, like Paul's writing to the Philippians says that eventually Christ, because of his obedience, even to the point of death, and because he emptied himself and took on the form of human flesh and obeyed his father, that as a result of that, he is given a name. That's above every name. That at the name, the the totality of Jesus, every knee should bow. Look at your knee. Touch your knee right now. That knee is going to bow. And every tongue, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
when we think about such things, the psalmist, when he thought about them, it caused him to erupt with praise. Not only is this verse or these passages where it's found, but in 1 Corinthians, there is one more enemy that God, that Christ has, according to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. We know that all enemies are silenced by the testimony and praise of infants and nursing infants, and we know that all things are put under His feet. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 26 says, The last enemy to be abolished is death. For He has put everything under His feet. When it says everything is put under His feet, it's obvious that he's, He who puts everything under His feet uh, under Him is the exception. Talking about God the Father. And when everything is subject to Him, then the Son Himself will also be subject to Him who subjected everything to Him so that God may be all in all. The book of Ephesians also references this in chapter 1. In verse 18, it says, Paul writing to the Ephesians says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the glorious riches of His inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His vast strength? You could think about Psalm 8 and and how this complements that. And in verse 20 it says that He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising Him from the dead. And seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put everything under his feet. And appointed him as head over everything for the church. Which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things In every way. For us, we have the blessing of knowing these New Testament references and explanations of Psalm 8. If the psalmist, not with the knowledge of Jesus, as we have been blessed to have, who would suffer and die on the cross, be made lower, the Son of God Himself, who would be made a little bit lower so He could. Taste death for us. If the psalmist who did not know those things. Simply saw God's creation. And erupted. With rapture. What what am I that you're mindful of me? Or that you care for me? How majestic. How majestic. Is your name. Are you. In all the earth and over the earth. And he closes verse 9 of Psalm 8 saying that. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. And if the psalmist could say that. How much more so should we. Those of us who've seen. The fulfillment. Of Psalm 8. 
And we still can look at the stars and the moon that he created, that he set in place. We can still hear the cries of children singing songs and praises to to the Lord. Those things should move us. They should help us understand that we are sinful people, not deserving the attention of a great, great Lord. But because of his mercy, he loves us. And our response should be a raptured exclamation of praise to our God.